What's up, friends? Welcome to Peloton. We always work this hard because we are Peloton, and together we go far. Remember, you are not alone. I'm right there with you. Progress, not perfection. You've done the hardest part. This is Peloton. Hey, everybody, what's up? I am Tunde Oyunane, and welcome to Fitness Flipped, a Peloton Studios original. Fitness Flipped is a show that's all about flipping the script on the things that we think that we know about fitness. Our theme and what we've been talking about this week is self-expression and how living our lives fully expressed isn't just good for us, it's good for the world. Earlier this week, we had the chance to speak with sociologist Tressie McMillan-Cottom and one of my favorite actors of all time, Sterling K. Brown. There it goes with that K again, Sterling K. Gotta throw it in. We talked with them about their journey to self-expression and how we can rewrite and revise our own stories. If you missed the episode, then you really missed out. My advice, go back, check it out. Now we get to hear a personal story from one of our Peloton community members about his journey to a fuller, happier, truer expression of himself. This week, we're going to hear from Tyler Moses. Tyler is a Southerner. You guys know how I feel about the South. Shout out to H-Town. He grew up in rural Arkansas, and now he lives in Providence, Rhode Island. Tyler rides under the leaderboard named T. Moses, so look him up, find him. Tyler is also the founder and one of the tireless administrators of Boo Crew, a Peloton group that started by members who love working out with Cody Rigsby. And the group has since grown into a community that does everything from ride together to fundraise for causes while supporting each other along the way. He's here to tell us about his journey to self-expression. And y'all, it's a real delight. I'm proud of our efforts to turn conflict into cooperation. When I was younger, it was a lot harder to be my authentic self. I grew up in the deep, deep South, the Bible Belt, born and raised in Hope, Arkansas. So Bill Clinton-type neighborhood. And being from the South and being from the Bible Belt is is a, an important part of who I am. Um, I'm also gay. And so that was challenging, something that... Even from a young age, if, if you're not capable of verbalizing or really understanding how you're different, you, you know there's um, just difference. And being different is, is hard. I struggled a lot, not so much as a, as a child. I, I had a great childhood and loved my family. But as I got older into like my teenage years, it became very evident that, that I knew I was gay. And in my mind, that was not okay. <laughs> it was um, being from a, a deeply conservative Baptist sort of upbringing. A person should magnify God. He should deny himself and his pleasures. There were all of these sort of ideas that I had in my head of, of what that meant, what that meant as far as like eternal damnation. And, and it didn't make sense to me how I um, could cry myself to sleep and pray to be healed from being gay and, and nothing working. And so just sort of struggling with that silently because you're not out, obviously, you don't tell anyone. And so just sort of holding that secret and, and putting on a face and pretending like everything's fine, like like nothing's, nothing's different from you and anyone else. 
when I graduated from high school, I went to the university in Little Rock, and I was still struggling with being gay and trying to hide that. And so the answer to that was to rush a fraternity. Because obviously you can't be gay if you're in a fraternity. And so I uh, rushed the, the number one fraternity on campus. I got my bid and I went all in. I think in the beginning I thought that if I was involved enough in this fraternity with just full of hyper-masculinity, that was my solution, that that would fix me is what I saw. And so I was, I mean, I was on executive council in my fraternity and and super, super involved. And one of my pledge brothers, he was just the the epitome of the stereotypical masculine guy. <laughs> um, he was in the military. He's got tattoos that I think are tacky just like on his arms that he loves and really, really Southern, um, just hyper, hyper masculine, drove this huge truck, can, can fix any kind of mechanical stuff. And so we were really close. I mean, it was just sort of like this weird combo that we had going on where I was not those things at all. And so he was my pledge brother. And... I saw on Grinder of all things this profile from him and I was like no way there's not a chance at all the no I know him better than anyone no this is fake somebody's like this is not real and so I like hinted to him that I had I had seen this just to see if he even knew what it was because I was like if he doesn't know what it is he's this is obviously fake and he got super uncomfortable. And so I was like, wait, is no, there's no way at all. And so this was like a thing for like a couple of weeks where there was just like this awkward, like unspoken sort of subjects between us. And I was a barista at the time. He actually texted me while I was working a barista shift and he texted me and was like, hey, we need to talk when you get off. And I'm I'm a millennial, so like you, you can't text me and say we need to talk because it was just like internal panic immediately. And so I was thinking, oh my God, he knows. Like he knows that I'm gay. Like <laughs> this is gonna be a terrible conversation to have. So we ended up talking and he came out to me. <laughs> I was like, what? This is not how I thought this subject was gonna go at all. And so then I responded by coming out to him. <laughs> It's really sort of, it, there's not a physical reaction as far as like tingly skin or any hocus pocus type stuff like that. But it, it's really more of a like deep exhale, like, oh my God, like I just took the first breath that I've taken in in 10 years or or however long you've been hiding this. So that was the the first sort of experience of coming out with someone. and And then after that, it just sort of, spiraled. I mean, I, I started telling other friends, just mentioning it. I remember when I told my sister, I have a little sister, and I told her on Snapchat because I was terrified that if I texted or told her she would she would have proof to, <laughs> to like out me. And so I was like, if it's on Snapchat, it disappears. And so um, it wasn't like that at all. She was super, super accepting. But it's just sort of those like the fear that you build up and, and make it this this huge thing. And then once you start telling others, um, it, it gets easier the, the more you do it. But I think that 
that it's important to realize that this is your life. And in order to be authentic to yourself, you have to have the courage to make the very conscious decision that I'm going to live how I want to do what makes me happy so long as it's not hurting anyone else and others' reactions or others' thoughts are not important. There's going to be some people that that don't like it. There will be people that, not necessarily just being gay, but what, whatever aspect it is that, that makes you you, some people are not going to like that. And, and that's just a sad reality. I came out to my father when I was 21. Um, I am turning 29 in a week and a half, and I've not spoken to him since. And that's that happens. And so you have to be at a point where you have the courage to say, I am choosing myself. I am choosing to be authentic and and be me. And the people that love and care for me will will appreciate that and and love and care for me regardless. And the people that don't, they don't need to be in your life anyway. So you have to have courage before you can be authentic to yourself. And I don't want to underplay that because it's it's hard a lot of the times. It, it's difficult and sometimes it's not rainbows and butterflies. It's lots of crying and, and sobbing and praying or, or um, whatever your process looks like. But it's important to know that regardless of when you do that, there's another side you don't get to see until you open that door and go through it. And when you're ready to do that, there's a whole other world on the other side that is really incredible and really beautiful and that you get to take part in and be who you were born to be. I love that. I love that Tyler was able to find the courage to share his true self with his family, not only his family, but with the world and that he's continuing to reveal new levels of himself. What a reminder. Such a reminder that when we have the courage to share ourselves with the world, the world will open up to us. Tyler, I will be looking for you on the leaderboard. I'm thinking about the doors that we're all walking through that are the gateways to a whole new world of freedom and joy. I'm also thinking about the doors that I don't yet know I'm going to walk through as part of my evolution, as part of me being the best and the highest version of myself, and how walking through all those doors, all those many doors, allows me access to living my life of purpose, living my life on purpose, and living my life with great purpose. So that brings me to my question for you. What will be your door? What will you be brave enough to share with the world? What door have you not yet decided to open? Do you dare to open it now? I want to know. I want to hear from you. Find me at Tune to Tune Day and at One Peloton. Hashtag fitness flip. I think this is the perfect place to end, friends. It's a great day. Go out and be great. Fitness Lift is a production of Peloton Studios. 
It is produced by Amy S. Choi and Rebecca Lehrer of the Mashup Americans. Our senior producer is Sarah Pellegrini. Our development producer is Alana Levinson. And our production manager is Shelby Sandlin. Fitness Flip is sound designed by Pedro Rafael Rosado. Original music composed by Jen Kwok and Jody Shelton. Special thanks to Jen Cotter, Janie Herbert, Laura Petro, Amanda Hill, Danielle Mills, Tony Calandra, DJ John Michael, and Alexis Duncan. 